Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. Yes, I am musical theater entrancing into this episode number 157. What's loving myself got to do with it? It's a little spinoff of what's love got to do, got to do. You're welcome. You guys are in for a very special treat today because I have my client, Christine, joining me today. And the reason why I have Christine today is because here we are recording this episode. It will release in March. We're actually recording towards the end of February 2022. And Christine has been in my program, Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, same title as this podcast. It's a one-year group program for all women, transgendered women, those who identify as they. It doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is or your race or your religion, but it is for women, transgendered women, those who identify as they. And it's the place to be if you want to heal your heart and truly find love. And so I love bringing on my clients who are moving and shaking in the program and having incredible transformation. So Christine, welcome to the pod. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Thanks for being here. Did we, we actually met, I know that we had a consultation probably in June or July before you joined in August, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you were working with a one-on-one coach and I'm just going to kind of recap and loop everybody in to kind of understand your journey. You were working with an incredible one-on-one coach. I know her very well. And you wanted to try something new. And I know she wanted you to try something new and knows me and my work well and felt that the group environment would be more beneficial for you. And you were really just in it in your heartbreak, really stuck on thoughts like, you know, what is it about me that he didn't stay? What is it about me that he didn't follow through on his promises? Something must have changed about me. You were very much in shame and blame of yourself. And you remind me so much of my former self in heartbreak, where clearly I'm the problem. And it's such a painful place to be. And then On top of that, you remind me of my former self because you were really trying. I know that you were working really hard with your one-on-one coach, and then you came into the group really trying, but just so stuck, is fair to say. Would you agree with that for where you were coming in? Definitely. I was just going in circles and getting nowhere. Going in circles and getting nowhere. So I'm just going to hand the mic over to you. Obviously, I'm going to chime in on what I think was kind of the breakthrough shift for you. But here we are now in March by the time this episode airs. And you are, is it safe to say like 98% over him? Yes. You wouldn't say 100? (laughs) Probably not 100. I will. There are always times I, you know, I long, but I can always 
coach myself out of it, feel my feelings, just sit in it and then it know it passes and it does. Yeah. I mean, I would actually say you're 100% over him and you're in this new territory of really enjoying falling in love with yourself. And I think it's really par for the course, Christine, to have, I'm thinking of another client in our program. I'm not going to say names, but that she too has come so far in the work. I think she hasn't found someone better. You haven't found someone better. You're not in that stage yet. We're not there yet. And that's an amazing thing. I don't like my clients rushing into the find someone better section. There's a reason for why I established the program into three sections of stop wanting him back, then fall in love with you, then find someone better. And that's really what we're going to sink our teeth into today because Christine really has made dramatic shifts in healing her heart and then is like, really, I can just see it and feel it. She's really next level, authentically enjoying this concept of next level, deeply falling in love with herself and enjoying that process. She's really enjoying not being as heartbroken as you were and also not like jumping to like find Mr. Right, which there can be a tendency for that um, for most people who come to work with me. So you have just been such a model example of enjoying this. And so I would just, as I said earlier, would love for you to take the mic and talk about what you think was the game changer or several game changers that had you finally crack the code of like getting over him in this program? It's a big question. So whatever comes to mind, I have, I know from what I've observed, but I think it's really helpful for the audience to hear your perspective and your experience, because I I just wish that they could have seen you August, September, October, November. And, and before you even share your, your experience and your thoughts as to how you've gotten from there to here. One thing that I 1 million percent commend you for and what I ask of all my clients, it's like, if you're stuck, just keep coming back for coaching. Keep raising your hand. Keep writing in to ask a coach. It's not like, oh, we have this one, you know, maybe 15 minute exchange on an hour long call. There are three group calls a week. You're not required to come to all of them. I spread them out at different times because there's literally women all over the world in this program. So they're purposefully scheduled out so that everyone could make at least one call live and raise her hand. And if you can't raise your hand, you can write in to ask a coach and get a response within 24 hours. And Christine, for as stuck as you were, I would say, in my experience of coaching over the last four years, especially on just solely coaching on heartbreak dating relationships, I've been a coach now for six years. It wouldn't have surprised me if you were like, this is too much. I'm going to disappear. And you didn't disappear. You were like, yep, hey, today's Tuesday. And here's the recurring thought now, Claire. And I'm like, okay, let's just keep coaching on it. You guys, it's not a problem to be stuck. It becomes a problem when you give up. It becomes a problem when you avoid. It becomes a problem when you think your stuckness isn't solvable. And oh, I have chills right now. And you can see, we can see each other. We're video, we're video uh, conferencing this, this recording. I'm like all bundled up and I just got such chills. Like you were just in it so deeply and you never stopped showing up. 
So already that's one of my theories as to how you've like next level broken through and to me look like a different person. But I'll let you again, I've said it for now the third time, give you the mic and share your thoughts on how you got from this really painful stuck place, shaming and blaming yourself over and over and over and over again to here being like, just, wow, I'm amazing. I do love who I see in the mirror. I am awesome. Look at all these accomplishments and I'm an amazing mom and all of it. So yeah, take it away, Christine. Okay. Well, you took the words out of my mouth a little bit in that the first thing I was going to say was just, I kept showing up. And at first I had a lot of shame about it because I could hear myself and I would rewatch the coaching because you're able to rewatch the coaching. And I was like, Jesus, again, the same thing over and over and over. It's like I'm a broken record, but you made me feel really comfortable. And you said, keep showing up. I don't care if I coach you on the same thing over and over again. And the same thing with the thought work. I would do the thought work, same thoughts over and over again. I wasn't good enough. He chose someone else over me. If I looked different, if I was this, if I was that, and, you know, I just kept doing it. And instead of, you know, shaming myself, which what I used to do, I took your end and saw it more, okay, just curious about my thoughts. I don't have to take my thoughts on. They're not facts. They're just what's going through my head not giving them so much importance. And sometimes I would just do the thought work and I wouldn't shift. And so then I get frustrated at that. And then you told me it's okay. So eventually it would shift and I would feel better even just writing my thoughts down because I was letting them out as opposed to just ruminating over and over again, which was a lot of what I did in the breakup. Um, And a lot of it, you helped me see, well, if these are my actions are based on my thoughts, then his actions are based on his thoughts and they don't have to do with me. Yes. So good. If my actions are based on my thoughts and his actions are based on his thoughts, what he does and what he thinks really has nothing to do with me. Amazing. I love uh, it. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Christine. I'm loving everything. Soaking it all up. Another one is that you would tell me, kick him off his pedestal because I had him very high on a very high pedestal. Like he was God's gift to everyone. Um, And it just took a long time for me to really see that. But I kept, I would write down the things that were not right about the relationship, the things that didn't work for me and that I was trying to make work because I, I just wanted to be in a relationship so bad because I wasn't able to give myself the love and validation that I needed. So eventually I got him off the pedestal and I realized like my person chooses me. My person is sure about me and he couldn't be that because I wasn't sure about me or choosing myself. Um, so this is kind of, this is my time to do things differently. Ah, so good. He couldn't get, it's like, I'm, I'm not going to perfectly quote what you just said, but he couldn't get on board with me because I wasn't fully on board with me. And you were and this is totally everything that I did too in multiple heartbreaks. I wanted him to get on board with me in order for me to feel better. I couldn't understand the concept of I needed to get on board with me first if I wanted to attract someone 
to get on board with me. And that just raises like a whole different aspect of this conversation. It's like, well, that's why you attracted an unavailable person, right? It's like, I'm unavailable. So that's why I attracted him. Now he's gone. And this is my invitation to do the work to love on me so that I can attract a person. Like I 1 million percent know that I wouldn't have attracted Larry without all the, obviously logistically, without all the breakups that unfolded. (laughs) I wouldn't be in a relationship if I was in a different one. But without me being the curious investigator of how I created it, what my thoughts are about those relationships, what my thoughts are about those men, and what my thoughts are about me. There's three different aspects, right? There's, there's the circumstance of the relationship between the two of you. There's a circumstance of him. There's a circumstance of me. And there are different thoughts about each of those three circumstances. And really, that's what I mean when I talk about step three of creating closure in my five-step process to stop wanting him back. It's like really understanding the bigger picture of how that person came into your life, how that person exited your life. And and so much of the closure that we create, it's not from tapping him on the shoulder to get more answers. It's about really understanding that next level, bigger picture of this, I believe, spiritual teacher that walks into your life to teach you what you don't even recognize how poorly you're thinking of yourself. Yeah. No, it's, it's, that's all true. I mean, there were so many things I've gotten from, from you and, and the group, I can go on and on, but another one was, you know, the cutting contact thing. I, I stopped reaching out to him. Well, I did it once and we talked and then I told him, if you don't want a relationship with me, we can stop. But then a month later, I found out he was, you know, trying to talk to other women while we were in a relationship. So I wanted to confront him about that. Luckily, he didn't answer for me because I, I'm glad. And that just was enough for me to realize, wait a minute, what are you doing? If he wasn't honest with you in the relationship, he's not going to be honest with you now. This is pointless. So I hung up and I blocked him. But then while I was in your program, I would still look him up and see what he was doing and what he's not. And then you would tell me, Christine, that's still contact. I'm like, but I know, <laughs> you know, I was, you know, I was fighting you on that one. But I, but in the end, I realized how I felt. I thought about how I felt after I would do that. And it was shitty, even though I realized, okay, he's doing the same thing. He's in the job he hates. He hasn't figured out this house that was in his and his ex's name. And you told me, of course he hasn't. He isn't going to change. I'm like, she's right. <laughs> She has a point there. And so at that point, I just realized, okay, this is not serving me. Me looking at what he's doing is not going to make, you know, help my future version of myself be where I want to be. So it's just, it's a waste of time. I could use that energy towards me. And I think that's what this whole loving yourself thing is about, is all that energy I was pouring towards making a relationship work that was never going to work. I can put it towards myself and growing and healing and learning and just enjoying my life right now in a relationship or not. It's okay. Like, yes, the relationship doesn't determine my worth, which was a big thing. I I felt like I needed a relationship to be considered worthy as opposed to knowing 
Amen. I think that that's why so many people are listening to this podcast. 100%. I put my weight on my worthiness based on who I was with and him choosing me. That made me worthy. That made me lovable. That made me fulfilled. And I'm not going to lie, being in my most ideal relationship now with Larry, it is fulfilling. I do feel lovable. It is like, I I just said to him the other day, because my parents just came in to visit for the first time Santa Barbara. And it was just really exciting for them to meet Larry's kids and see the way Larry's and my life is here and all of it. And it's like, I, I said to Larry at one point, I'm just so proud that you're my man, right? That there is something to be said about that. But he came after the fall in love with you work, right? It's like the partner comes as the added bonus once you've really figured out a next level love for yourself. But before we move into what that looks like, I think a couple of points, you just touched on so many amazing points. And there's two that I just want to touch on and not roll over before we transition into this experience of watching you really deeply next level. I mean, I think people just hearing the way you're speaking right now of all the ahas that are so your truth. It's one thing to intellectually understand, like, of course, we need to love ourselves in order for other people to come and choose us and love us. But you're just speaking this truth. And again, if only we had a clip of flashbacks (laughs) of where you were before. Christine's like, no, thank you. We don't need that. I'm good. (laughs) But for people to just understand where you were and where you are now. Um, But one thing that you said just sort of much earlier in your experience of what are the things that helped you get to where you are now, you talked about how I said, I don't care if I coach you on the same thing over and over and over again, keep showing up. And I really want to differentiate because you know that we also have a lot of clients in the group who listen to this program. And, And the reason why I was so open to coaching you repeatedly on the same stuck thought patterns was because I knew you were legitimately stuck. And I think that there's a difference between being legitimately stuck and being sloppy and lazy and forgetting the work that you've done in a coaching call and then coming back and being like, oh, I'm feeling like um, whatever it is. I don't know. I, I can't pick something off the top of my head, but just Kind of like in there's a difference between legitimately being stuck and wanting coaching over and over and over again to just keep practicing better intentional thoughts to free you out of the result of being stuck. And then there's like, Claire, hold my hand and do the work for me. And I can smell it 20 million miles away. (laughs) And so I want to just be very clear here for anybody who's curious about coming into the program. This isn't about, oh, Claire will hold my hand and coach me on whatever I feel like getting coached on. It was so clear to me how hard you were trying. And it was so clear to me how badly you desired freeing yourself from these thoughts. And it was so clear to me how stuck you were. I really, I I feel like I see myself in all of you in various different ways. And I really identified my old self in you of like, here they are. I I know they're here and they're obsessive and they're repetitive and I'm ruminating and here it is again. And I just like to coach on it. And so, um, I think that that, do you, do you know the difference? You know what I'm talking about? Cause you know that I've also given people a hard time and been like, listen, I've coached you on this already. And, and I think you need to like 
kind of get yourself out of this one because it's clear as day. I think sometimes we have those like clear as day ahas and it's, and you take it with you. And for me with you, I don't think our coaching for a long time was clear as day. I felt like our coaching was maybe you'd move an inch towards clarity. Maybe you'd move an inch towards closure. And that's where I have all the patience and space and capacity to hold because sometimes it is just that deeply ingrained. But if you have some big aha, and then like also if you disappear for two months on the program, right? And then you come back and you're like, oh, I'm struggling with this again. I'm like, yeah, because it's so much more than just having a powerful coaching exchange, having the breakthrough aha. It's like, I I would always say this as a yoga teacher, especially teaching yoga in New York City. You know, at the end, it's like you move through this practice and then you're in Shavasana, corpse pose, where you kind of let the new energy that you've created move through you and just relax into it and pause. And I would always say, be mindful of taking the energy that you've cultivated here today off the mat and onto the streets of New York City because you're just, you've just got all this crazy, fast paced energy. So many people hustle and bustle the subways, the noise, the honking, the sirens, all of it, right? It's like you have the power to take what you've created in your yoga practice, the calm, the Zen with you, but you have to be mindful and you have to be intentional about taking what you've created, taking what you've learned, taking that breakthrough aha, and not just expecting that like, oh yeah, I did that. And I think that that's what I would do. I would go to therapy and be like, well, nothing happened in therapy today. Or I'd like read one self-help book and I'd be like, I still feel like shit. You know, it really is a practice. And I'm really tearing the arse out of this point, but you were just so committed to the practice, so committed to the practice of self-coaching, so committed to just showing up. It was very clear to me, you were in it and you were really trying and you were very consistent. And that's the difference between me being willing to coach you on the same thing over and over versus having a breakthrough and then me not seeing you for a while. And then you come back and it's like, I can tell when you've taken the work and worked it or when you haven't. And then you just want me to get you back to the place where I got you to two months ago. And then I'll be like, go back to the last recording we did two months ago. The coaching is no different. Right. And I think a lot of it was, you know, I wasn't having self-compassion for myself. So I would just, I would get frustrated and I would shame myself. Why are you still feeling this way? It's been such and such time since a breakup, blah, blah, blah where you were open and you you were giving me the compassion I wasn't able to give myself, but eventually you giving it to me, I said, well, she's my coach. If she can give it to me, I can give it to myself. Amen. And that's where I think a lot of my breakthrough was too, when I just could honor where I was at, instead of trying to change it, then it it changed. (laughs) Look at that. Say that again. I don't know exactly what I said, but <laughs> when, I, when I when I just honored where I was at instead of trying to change it, that's when it changed. I shifted. It's like when we're in this stuck place, right? We're doing two things, I think, a lot of the time, and we're not really aware of it. We're trying to get out of it. Like, how do I get out of this painful thought? And we're judging ourselves for having it. And when you're itching to just escape the pain and then judging yourself on top of it, it will keep you there. And so 
I think what you're saying is it really helped to keep showing up because I was really struggling with both. I was struggling with honoring these repetitive, painful thoughts, which is a key part of the process. And I was struggling with shaming and blaming myself. So it was like, you would come to the calls consistently and you still do. And I would hold the compassionate space. And then when I'm holding the compassionate space, we could actually get to work on the thoughts. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I love it. And then the last thing I just want to touch on that you touched on before we transition into what loving yourself looks like and what love has got to do with this whole process of stopping wanting, what what what's loving yourself got to do with this whole process of stopping wanting him back and finding someone better is we you touched on how I really kept encouraging you to kick him off his pedestal over and over and over again. And I do think that that was such a key piece of the work because your brain and just like mine, I mean, I was with a narcissistic sociopath who led a double life, all the deceit, all the blatant backstabbing. And it was so easy for my brain because I had abandoned myself so much to a level I really wasn't conscious of to just selectively remember the good, crave him coming back, blame myself, all the product of gaslighting, and all of that fun stuff. So that was huge because you would be like, but he did this and he did this kind little gesture. And I'm like, that doesn't matter. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, you tell us the little gestures because I don't want to point things out if you're sensitive about them and talking about it to on this platform. You don't care? No. <laughs> okay. So he did little things like, like fix it jobs in your house. And he like bought your daughter a coloring book. And I was like, yeah, but if he can't follow through on promises for the future, none of that shit matters. Right. And all that stuff, like you told me you could do that for yourself. You know, I could, I don't cook. So he would cook for me. Well, I could pay someone, you know, I could order out or I could pay someone to cook for me. At the end of the day, what I wanted was a relationship that was moving forward and a person who would follow through on their word. And he wasn't that. So all the little things, I mean, I can, I do those little things for me now, you know, that he used to do that I enjoyed. He would make sure the towel was ready for me, like, you know, before taking a shower, little things like that. But I can do those things for myself. You know, in the end, I don't need a partner for those things. Amen. Yes. And I can't remember if it was you, but I remember someone else just completely idolizing some unavailable ex. And they were like talking about some small thing that like he did for them. It could have been you. I can't remember what it was, but he did some gesture for you or some other client in the group. He did some small gesture. And I was like, yeah, Larry would never do that for me. And it doesn't matter because the bigger picture shit matters, which is honesty, loyalty, follow through on word, emotional availability, consistency, uh, being all inclusive. You told me, and, and this is the thing too. It was like, what was so great about Christine. And for those of you who are like, oh, I need all this one-on-one attention from Claire. It was like, Christine just kept showing up and I kept learning more and more, gathering more information. And But, you know, I was just, I was continuing to get more and gather more and more information each time that we talked and you, you would add to it to confirm everything that I was trying to confirm for you. It's so amazing to watch your face and have you laugh, but you talked about celebrating a holiday with him, but like he left early to go hang with someone else or some other group of people where 
like there was a connection to his ex. And so therefore you weren't included. And I was like, that is a load of horse shite if I have ever heard it in my life. And, you know, you're just like adding these things more and more and more. And I was like, no, this is unacceptable. This is not anything that I want any of my girls in my program to settle for. And you would just kind of like throw them out there. I'm like, you're just totally helping my cause for you to see this is bullshit. This is unacceptable behavior from a partner who you want to be spending the rest of your life with, from a partner who you want to be a great role model to your daughter, a great male figure role model for your daughter. Like this is this is a, 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 such a clear hell no that like please coming keep coming back to the calls for me to just like keep reiterating that for you when you can't see it. Yeah, and a, and a lot of it was too where I have this personality where I don't tend to get fired up very much or I can for certain things. I think it's come out more, you know, over time. But when it came to him, it was just all like grief and sadness, no anger. And you said, well, let me get fiery for you. I said, okay. okay." And then, and then I start, so then I just started like just running all the lists of all the crappy things he did and all the crappy ways he didn't show up and why this relationship wasn't the relationship I I want, you know, and then I realized, wait a minute here. What am I, what am I longing so hard for? It wasn't that great. It wasn't that great. And I always say this because obviously I am a fiery Irish woman and I own that. It's also been something I need and continue to like balance and rein in both as a coach and as a partner in my relationship. And it's a part of my personality and my own fall in love with you work that I have learned to really love and own. But I also want to be very careful as your coach and everyone's coach, especially for the women who are not as fiery as me, women like you, that I'm not I'm not projecting onto you as your coach. Like when I say, let me get fiery for you. It's like, I'm just, what I really mean by that is let me give you a backbone, right? Because it's like, I'm not, I don't think we need to get angry in order to get over someone. For sure, that's my default is to get angry. Like, fuck this, this is fucking bullshit, right? But I do think if you're someone, and, and we just coached on this in, um, with someone on a call yesterday in the group. I don't know if you were on the call. Were you on the call? Yeah. So there was another similar personality to yours, I would say, you know, compassionate, kind, loving woman, and she's a mom and all of it. And it's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is if that's your tendency towards someone who really has not given you the respect that you deserve. And then more information comes out of the wash to be like, wow, now I'm really seeing you for who you are. And your default is compassion and wishing him a happy life. And quote unquote, I wish him well. I do still care for him. I think I would offer you to be like, look, it, it couldn't hurt you to just get a little bit of fire in you in order to like really the, see the situation for what it is, which also doesn't mean you have to not wish him well. You don't have to be like, fuck him, right? It doesn't have to be either or. I mean, I think the most ideal space to be in is neutral. Whatever happens to him, great, not great, I don't care. But I also always coach from the place, especially in heartbreak, that we're not trying to get to neutral when we're already feeling so charged, right? It's like if you're really, really angry or you're really, really sad, getting to neutral 
is kind of unrealistic in your intentional models. But I do encourage, yeah, a little bit of fire, a little bit of like, go find your backbone because it doesn't even make sense to be like, I wish him well or whatever, or, or, or send compassion his way when he really didn't earn it at all. Right. And I think um, another thing, what you said just kind of jived with me in that it was, I was in such deep heartbreak that I couldn't get to this place automatically where I'm like, oh, I'm over him. So it was, I'm learning how to become over him. The bridge thoughts were really helpful uh, for a long time to make me see that I don't have, it's okay that I'm not over him. And that was another one you gave me. That way I wasn't, I could have compassion for myself and where I'm at instead of shaming myself for not being over him. I mean, yeah, because I think you, you touch on a great point. Um, we talk about, and and I didn't create this thought model. I teach Brooke Castillo's thought model, also known as the model. But, you know, I think a big misconception, and again, you're such a perfect example of this, Christine, is how this is why the program is a year long, right? It is a practice to shift out of these really painful thoughts that you've been practicing, that you've been thinking, that you've been believing, that have felt habitual, that have felt ingrained in you. So it will take a different amount of time, depending on the person, depending on the situation, depending on your childhood, whatever traumas you went through, right? Yes, it's a group program, but it it really is a unique individual path for each person in the program. And you know, a bridge thought is a thought that's in between the unintentional thought and the intentional thought. You know, in your, when you're in deep heartbreak and the, the primary thought you're thinking, you wake up and you're just like feeling a pang of loss in your chest and in your stomach and you have no appetite and you're just devastated and you're feeling all this longing and the primary thought, dominant thought is, I just want him back. You are not going to be able to move into an intentional model of, oh, I actually don't want him back. So I love that you use that example that really worked for me for you, which is it's okay that I still do. Even if he sucked as a partner, it's okay, which really invites in the self-compassion. It also invites in the allowance and the acceptance of where you are at in this moment, which just circles back to what you were saying before. When I was honoring where I was at, it actually made it easier to get out of, which also piggybacks off of the saying, the more you resist, the more you persist. If you're fighting the fact that you long for someone because he was a motherfucker and or it's been six months since, you know, the breakup. And so I should be over him by now. You're just prolonging the heartbreak. So I love all of these examples and I love all that you shared. The last point that I want to bring up because I'm just this is just popping into my brain and I forgot to write it in my little notes on the things that I wanted to chat about with you was remember that exchange we had in Ask a Coach where essentially you wrote in and you were like, here are my models. And even though you didn't say it directly, I said to you back, I'm like, the vibe that I'm getting from you is I've done my models. These models don't work. And you didn't say that. And I want to be very clear here, Christine, as stuck as you were, I have never thought you're a difficult client. And trust me, I have difficult clients or I used to have difficult clients. I don't attract difficult clients anymore, which is amazing. Or if I do, I'm just like, you got to go. We're not doing this. You weren't being difficult, but this this is the beauty of coaching. 
this is also the risk I'm willing to take as a coach. I'm willing to risk calling out what I see in your work in order to get to the root of the issue so that we can get past it. And it ended up being such a powerful exchange that I had my assistant send an email out to the entire group because I was like, everybody needs to read this exchange because I think we all fall into the trap that I just called Christine out on of the trap that she was in, which again was you're relying on thought work to heal you instead of relying on yourself to heal you by using the thought work tools. And I'm going to say that again because that might sound confusing. The way you presented your thought models to me was like, here's my thought model. Like, Claire, look, I did the work and it's not working. And it was like, look at me. I filled in the questions and I did all the things that this thought work asks me to do and I'm still not feeling better. And I realized that your brain for where you were at in your heartbreak and showing up in this group. And it was like, I even said to you in the same exchange, I know you want to be here. I know you want to heal. I know you're really trying, but you've got this like sneaky subconscious belief that like this thought work isn't doing it for me, Claire. Look, I'm showing you. And so when we really got underneath it, I was like, you can't rely on the thought work to heal you. You have to rely on you to heal you. And the thought work is just one tool to get you there. Can you expand on that? Do you remember that? Because it was such a big, I think that was a big turning point in your work. Yeah. And I think you said, you know, you're not realizing that it's your thoughts that are the issue, not, you know, or how did you say it? I can't remember the exact way you said it, but it's you that's creating this, not him. And then it made me realize, wait a minute, I can choose all of this stuff is just not really the truth. They're just thoughts. So I'm choosing to use these thoughts that he didn't choose me, that I wasn't good enough for him. But I don't know what the hell is going on in his head. So for all I know, you know, he had he, he had his own shit that has nothing to do with me. And. I was holding on to that, you know, I was making what he did reflect my worth when I can decide my own worth. I can decide how I want to feel about what happened and what lessons I'm going to take from it as opposed to, you know, him. Totally. And I think what you were doing in your thought work was like you were doing it for the sake of doing it but you were still so deeply attached to those beliefs of he didn't choose me. There must be something wrong with me. Maybe if I had done something different, those were just some of your repetitive thoughts to name a few that I can for sure relate to. And I think so many people listening to this episode can relate to. And I think you were kind of doing it without being open to the possibility of shifting into something different. Right. And I think that's, I think that's what I meant to say in that, I I was doing the thought work, but I wasn't believing the turnarounds. I wasn't believing any of the, you know, the intentional thoughts. So then it was like, it was, it was pointless. Pointless. So yeah, Yeah. I was doing the same thing over and over again because I still didn't shift. I still didn't believe any of the things. So it looked pretty on paper, but it wasn't helping me. Yeah. And, and I think that, so this is a great segue into the fall in love with you conversation but I think really it, it, it brings up the video in, in the group program. For those of you who don't know, there's a 60 video course. You can get that course for $597. Again, go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. 
click on the work with me page, you can click buy my course. And the there's a course in the stop wanting him back section called when to let your heart break, when to self-coach. And I think you were kind of forcing it and trying to self-coach when you really just weren't in a space to be open to something different. And and not being open to something different is a part of the process. It wasn't like, oh, there's something wrong with Christine because she's not ready to shift into a new story. And that's where there's like a big confusing component of self-coaching, right? Because it's like you have to be in a space where you're open to a new story. And it is not linear. I could be open to a new story one morning and then wake up the next day and have like a totally different story about it or maybe feeling enraged or maybe I'm hormonal and I'm just not in the space to really open and shift my mind into a different space. So I think there was some forcing happening that I was able to kind of hook into through our group call discussions and through ask a coach. What it was, hopefully you can circle me back here, Christine. There was something that I said that you said that made me go, oh, that's going to be a great segue into this conversation about fall in love with you. Do you remember? Uh, That it looked pretty on paper, but it wasn't shifting me. Yes. Thank you. That's exactly it. Perfect. So it looks pretty on paper, but it wasn't shifting anything. And I think that that's where our breakthrough conversation happened in the very beginning of January of this year. So again, recording this right at the end of February, 2022, you and I had this like breakthrough conversation. I can't even remember what the thought was, but you came to a call at the beginning of January, just two months ago and said, well, here's my thought work and here's my better feeling thought. And you like really just wanted to keep sharing about your work. And I was like, I essentially said, fuck the work that you did because clearly those thoughts are not working. So like, let's actually look at some that can work. I think too, it's like, well, I came up with the studious, and this isn't just you, and I do this as well. Not as much anymore, but I used to do this. I'll come up with the pretty thought work, right? Just like what you said, I'll come up with the pretty answer and then I'll present it to the coach and be like, and look, I came up, this is a good thought, but I don't believe it. And I'm like, okay, so let's just find one that actually works, Christine. And that was really the breakthrough conversation. So can you share a little bit more about what that conversation entailed that really took you to the next level that led you to your trip and everything to and to where you are now? Okay. Yeah. So the it was about a trip to um, St. Augustine that I had planned for myself. I was supposed to go with this ex-boyfriend, but again, he didn't follow through. So there I was. That was a trip. I was, I'm divorced. It's been five years now. When I was married, we were supposed to go on the same trip. It's not a faraway place, but it just never happened. Uh, So I decided I would make myself go on my own because I can do things that I want to do on my own. I don't need to wait for a person because I don't know when he'll arrive. So I could die before I go on this trip. That's not very far away. Anyways, um, but I was talking myself out of it. I changed it five times, different dates, made excuses for why I wouldn't go and stuff like that. And I still had it set and was trying to talk my way out of it again. And I was saying, you know, the intentional thought could be, I'm learning to love myself. And, and you said, I call bullshit. I said, but why? (laughs) Um, Anyways, so then we started talking about it more. And, you know, you said that you're, you're doing this for you and to come, you gave me a like 
three or four things to follow as far as how to come up with better thoughts for it or think about it in a different way, shift my perspective. So I rewatched the coaching. I did what you said. And then I just came to this thought, I'm living my best life right now. And sure enough, I, I, I believed it. And it just, I totally shifted. Suddenly I was like doing all the things, making reservations, asking friends where I should go, thinking about what I should wear and you know, how I'll spend my evenings all packing, which, you know, that trip was coming up in the next week and I had yet to do any of that. And now I still use that thought a lot. You know, sometimes I'll get down and, you know, oh, why can't I have somebody? Why don't I have my person? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm living my best life right now. And whenever that person comes in, you know, they'll just be an added bonus. They won't be, you know, my everything, like how my ex was before. I love it. And there was something else just in regards to who you see in the mirror that was also in that conversation. Because I remember specifically talking about your outfits for the trip. Right. Um, Because I tend to have a lot of thoughts, oh, I wasn't pretty enough. And that's why he, you know, he didn't choose me or whatnot. So then you asked me, when was the last time you felt like sexy or attractive? And I was able to you know, tell you which black dress I wore. And you said, just do that. Wear things like that. Do You know, just. Well, I think what it was, was that I, I said, well, tell me the last time you felt that way. And you were like, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I'm like, okay, what was it about a couple of weeks ago that you liked who you saw in the mirror? And you were like, well, I was wearing this amazing black dress. And I was like, if you need to wear that amazing black dress all the time, like do whatever it takes for you to believe the the thoughts about yourself that you want to believe, right? So it's not really about the black dress, right. but it's like, help yourself. Right. Wear, wear things, do things, experience things that make you light up and feel really good. Now, that's very different than I'm feeling down, so I'm just going to buy myself something or I'm just going to do this thing to make me feel better as a Band-Aid. And then you find yourself obsessively longing for Mr. Wrong again, or whatever. But it was just like, when I asked you that question of when did you feel attractive? It was like, I saw your face just light up at like, yeah, I looked really good. And I'm like, wear things all the time that make you feel that way and know that it's not, it's not the dress that's doing it. It's your thoughts about the dress. (laughs) It's your thoughts about who you see in the mirror wearing the dress. But like, you know, you're, you look the exact same as I'm talking to you from a couple of weeks ago when you wore that black dress. It's just that you have different thoughts, but also you can choose actions to help you amplify those better feeling thoughts. And I was like, pack that black dress. And then you were talking about how you had this like green sparkly New Year's dress. And I was like, pack that for St. Augustine. And you were like, no. (laughs) And and I think your point in that, if I recall, or what you're trying to get me to see is that I had these thoughts that automatically come up. Oh, I'm single because I'm not pretty enough. I'm this because I'm not... But then you're making me see, no, you do feel pretty. You do think you're pretty at times. But my default is always to say, I'm not, or I'm not enough, or I'm not this. When there are other times when I do feel good about myself, love myself. And again, I guess coming back to that point where the I'm learning to love myself thought wasn't working, got me to another aha moment where it was like, I already love myself. I, I've, I've already gotten there. I'm just getting to love myself even more and on a different level. And on a more conscious practice level without any man in the picture to influence it. Right. 
And then when you get back out there again, and I am very excited for you to start dating sooner than later. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have to push you into this into the find someone better section, but that will be a whole other episode. <laughs> You'll come back and share that experience. But what you're doing and and you know again to answer this question but hopefully you guys are figuring it out as we're talking about this what's loving yourself got to do with it it's got everything to do with it because Christine you know this because you're watching other women in the find someone better section who have been killing it falling in love with themselves creating you know abundance health wealth happiness self love kicking ass and taking names in the fall in love with you section. And then they get into the find someone better section and they're attracted to someone and they like someone. And then that person isn't into them and it brings up old shit. Very understandably so. But thank God you've spent some time really committing to your worthiness and your self-love level on a next level that it will be, you know, a little bit of a kick in the stomach but the recovery is so much quicker that you're willing to get back up on the horse and see it for what it is and do a date evaluation, which I teach you how to do in the find someone better section and understand what are these you know, triggers that come up for me? Where am I wobbly in my belief of finding my person and then do that work and just keep swiping intentionally and keep going. So to answer the question, Christine, what's loving yourself got to do with it? You said it before we started recording. Uh, you don't remember? remember? No. You said it's got everything oh, to do okay. with it. Well, maybe they could edit that part out and I'll say we could do over that part. No, it's fine. It's totally okay. fine. Yeah, I, I, like I said something. I don't know. It does have everything to do with it. And I guess coming back when you brought that up, it made me think about, I would say, oh, there was no red flags. I didn't see anything, you know, and you're like, there was stuff. You just didn't want to see it or you and then we we worked through that and it was like my intuition told me all along that this guy wasn't who he said he was and he was just not going to be able to give me what I you know the type of relationship I wanted so I think this time around I'll follow my intuition I'll trust myself I'll not rely on someone else's words I'll trust I'll trust me and know that I'll always have my own back as opposed to you know just allowing bullshit that, you know, is, doesn't work for me. And, you know, amen. And, you know, thank you for bringing up that point because I just think that that needs to be reiterated and hit home on all the time for all of my listeners. You know, every single person who has come to me heartbroken over the last, I would say just four years that I have been focusing solely on heartbreak dating and relationships and finding love. I am never confused by all the women who come in and say that they were quote unquote blindsided. When we unpack the relationship and we look back, I'm like, sign of unavailability, sign of unavailability. And it invites for a lot of women who are doing this work for the first time or who are, or who are experiencing heartbreak for the first time, a lot of shame and blame of like, how did I not see? How did I not know? I won't be able to see. I won't be able to know the next time. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're here now. You weren't supposed to know before, but now you're picking up the pieces. Now you're cleaning up your pain. Now you're just reflecting back with non-judgmental curiosity, which you have been touching on has been really helpful for you. And don't forget that I've got you the whole way through. You're with me for a year, at least. People are re-upping. We have someone who found love in the group. And she's like, 
can I still re-up because I still need you? (laughs) And not that I ever want my clients to feel like they quote unquote need me. I never want the coach client relationship to be codependent, but she gave me good reasons for the specific things that she wants to continue working on in her love life. And so much of the fall in love with you work is your relationship to yourself in your career and in your with your health and with your finances and finding your purpose and all of that. Because I think that, again, we touched on this earlier, how we are in one area of your life is how you are in all areas. So I, this really is, of course, I want you coming into the program, working on your heartbreak and finding love, but a huge component of it. And I think of an added bonus of this work is a next level deep dive relationship on elevating yourself. And that my friends, you cannot put a price on. So I love that you just added that in at the end because, um, it was fucking painful for you, but now you're just so clear and it's natural to have those recurring random thoughts and feelings of longing, especially when your association of love, he's the face of that because that's the last time that you were. And I think that that's what's coming up for another client in the Find Someone Better section is that some recurring thoughts are coming up uh, about her ex. And I don't think it means, oh, she's not ready to find love. She's done so much work and it's natural for those thoughts to come up and you just coach on them and you keep going. It doesn't mean you're going back to square one. Right. And I think that this is just for me doing something differently, because usually after getting divorced and starting dating again, it would be back to back to back. So there was always, you know, only a couple months. And so I was attracting the same shit. It was a different package. But at the end, the outcome was the same, an unavailable person who wasn't choosing me because I wasn't choosing myself. Amen. Uh And again, that's where I relate to you as well. It's like I could you know, they always look different and seem different the next time. I mean, that's what happened to me for years from my late 20s up until my mid 30s is like, oh, no, this guy's different because he has a job. <laughs> this guy is different because he's looking for the same things I'm looking for. And we've communicated about that. And I didn't communicate about that with the last guy. And now I'm getting out in front of it. And it's like, no, no, there were still other signs of unavailability that I didn't realize. And now I've realized them and I cover all of them in my program and in my course. Stop wanting them back and find someone better. Yes, the titles are the same, so it could be confusing, but there's a one-year group program. And again, access to a lifetime access course, 60 videos, stop wanting them back and find someone better. If this sounds confusing to you, just head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. Again, again, click on the work with me page. Uh, you can see the difference, the different options with working with me. And if you have any questions, you can always email hello at clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. Christine, this has been such a treat and I just die for you. And I'm so excited to see what is next. I mean, when you look at all that you have created and healed and resolved in your life since August, and I have you, you know, I mean, here we are in March, like, let's just fucking take it to the next level for August of 2022. Sounds good. <laughs> and I just want to say thank you for having me on the podcast. I feel like I've made it. Um, I've been listening to you for like years. Um, and finally, you know, bit the bullet and joined your group. And it's, it's the best decision I've ever made uh, for my, oh, for my heart and my learning to love myself. So thank you. Ah, that just means the world. And I guess my last question would be, 
because we touched on this before we started recording and I realized we forgot to touch on this in this recording um, that you said you are an introvert and this idea of a group wasn't ideal for you. So for those who are listening who think like, oh, I'd love to work with Claire, but I don't like this idea of a group, which by the way is anonymous. It's first name only. Um, Could you just share what helped you make that decision despite your discomfort and how you feel like the group actually has helped you more versus working one-on-one? I did it because to try, you know, you had the course and you had, you know, a a group thing. I'm like, well, the one-on-one doesn't seem to be working. So why not try something different? But I was really nervous stepping out of my comfort zone. People are going to see me. I'm all like all sad and just broken record over and over. Who's going to want to hear that? But then I realized I go in and, you know, I only see you and you're open and present with me. And then I hear the other people, you know, talk like the person that was on yesterday. I'm like, she was me. (laughs) Um, And it just it's just an amazing feeling. You feel so supportive, even though you don't know the other people, you feel the energy and, you know, they all they all are there cheering you on, even though you can't see them. You just feel it. Um, You feel it. Yes. It's like supportive energy. And also you get to what you and I had touched on earlier is like, you get to also see the work working for other people. Even if someone's in the find someone better section while you're in the stop wanting him back section, you see how the coaching is working with each of them. So then it's like, oh, okay, I can do this too. Right. So you could take like, um, one person said, oh, I'm in awe of my life right now. I'm like, oh, I want to get there. So now I feel like I'm I'm there pretty close, you know, but just seeing her move through that, it gives you like an aspiration. You know, this is my journey. She has her own journey, but you could take what people are learning and apply it to your own life. So that's a big, that's a big one. Yeah. You couldn't have said it better. It's so true. We are learning so much from watching other people. It gives you the inspiration and um, ability to see how possible it is for the work working. And you get to steal the coaching. That's what I mean when I say, you know, I say this a lot. I I offer one-on-one coaching for a very select few. It's again, if you want to know what that's about, you can just email hello at clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. And and it's not like favorites. It's really there's there's some logistics behind it. But I I actually think, and maybe I I might have a one on one client listening to this. But there's a reason. There's certain you know it's it's an anonymous program, and there are some people who are well known who would not be anonymous in the group. So there that's a big factor. But you know you you have access to three hours of calls a week. You also have access to all the recordings of the calls. You also have access to the almost 200 exchanges and ask a coach of people getting coached on the same things that relate to you. So it's just so powerful to see how people are also getting in their own way, not just watching the people thrive and grow and heal and find love, but also when you're watching me coach someone stuck, Then you're also, I find this in my own experience of having been coached for many years in a group setting is if I'm really trusting my coach pushing someone in an area that she is stuck, then I'm really going to trust her coaching me when I'm stuck because I, I've already made the decision that I'm trusting the coach. And when I'm agreeing with everything else that she's coaching other people on, I can't not agree with 
how she's coaching me. And, and, and then therefore it makes the work that much more transformational because I'm trusting, I like what she's doing. It's like, I always compare this to when I was in an acting class, especially my last acting, uh, several acting classes. If I'm watching the teacher coach the actor and I'm loving what the teacher is giving that actor, I'm going to love and receive what they're giving me. But I've also been in shitty acting classes where I'm like, they're not pointing out all these things that they're doing that I would never encourage an actor to do. Right. So it's like, I think you get to see the power of how it works, the power of the wins and the power of the challenges when you're observing your peers. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, for sure. And you can, like you said, even if we're in different areas in our journey or in the process, I can still take what you're giving someone else and find someone better and apply it to my life as far as maybe boundaries with my with my parents or boundaries with friends or stuff like that. When they're talking about boundaries with a new partner. It's it's like applicable. It's like, you're just getting so much more coaching than what you realize before you sign up. And I think it was, I mean, I think that's the best part of the program. It was the part that I was the most scared of, but it's been the most impactful part. I, I don't think I would have been able to come this far without the group coaching aspect of it, of seeing the other people learning and also showing up to it, you know, when I do it, the live ones, I do feel like I get even more out of it. And, and it's like, that's loving myself showing up, even if I have nothing to be coached on, just taking it all in. And I love to learn. So it's another way of learning for me. I love it. And I say this to the group all the time, you guys, as I said earlier, three live group calls, you get a schedule for the month of ahead. And, um, it's amazing to watch all these women show up, even if they're not raising their hands. It's like they've scheduled that time to show up and get coached. And of course, again, if you can't make it to the live call, you can watch the recording later. And I know so many of you do that, but there's something really powerful about, you know, when I'm seeing like 20, 25 names there and there's only three hands raised, great. That's like 25 women holding the space for the three hands raised who I know are getting something out of the coaching, even if they're not raising their hands. And that to me just makes, um, I, you know, they always say, right, like the energy in groups is so much more powerful than just the one-on-one experience. And I couldn't agree more. All right. I promise I'm letting you go this time. (laughs) No more questions. You've been such a champ. I know that you were nervous to come on, even though you felt like you've arrived with getting on the podcast and you just did such a beautiful job. And I know you've helped so many people listening, understand the power of and the importance of loving yourself in this healing, heartbreak, finding love journey. But I think you've also just really beautifully explained your experience in the group and where you've gotten stuck because this is not like a flawless, effortless process. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for just showing up the way you do in the group. And again, I am excited to see what happens. I can't wait to bring you back when you found love. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Christine. Again, everybody who is listening, stop wanting him back and find someone better. My one-year group program, join Christine, apply. You do need to apply. This group is very high vibes and I'm very selective about who comes into the group. I'm not shitting you. I don't need your money. (laughs) So I would much rather keep it high vibes than just take your money to just have someone in the group. It's a very high level, up-leveled conversation that is really only for certain people. And I say that reflecting back 
on my 30-year-old self, I'm now 41 years old, my 30-year-old self wouldn't have been ready for this group. Or maybe maybe I would have let my 30-year-old self in, but I would have like had her sit back and observe and like do some some work on her own and acclimate with the tools before she'd be really ready to take inspired action. I think it would have taken me a long time. I think I might have been like you, Christine. I would have taken some time and been ruminating over and over and needed that. But listen, back when I was 30 years old, there was nothing like this that existed, which is why I do what I do. And I want more Christines in this group. So if you think you are a Christine, (laughs) go on to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and apply. My love, are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after. After.